you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. No music today, usually coming into music, um, but we're going to have today um, an abbreviated class. So I'm, I, I want to get started right away. Um, we I, I miscalculated uh, in that I am in Arizona right now and I planned everything just right. I'm flying to San Francisco in about an hour. Um, but I and I thought, oh, that works out because I'll just teach the class at 12. But Arizona is one hour later sometimes, but not always. Arizona has its own time schedule. So it's not just a simple matter of where you're going to be. So I, I have to rush to make my uh, my flight in about a half an hour. So we're going to do a half an hour. I, I thought, oh, maybe I'll just cancel last minute. But I thought it's worth it for us to get this is online. So nobody's trekking across town. Let's spend a half an hour and learn some Torah. And uh, it'll be, as I said, abbreviated. But I do have some, I think, important Torah for you. Today, it is, I think because it's a short class, I want to make one um, sort of technical point that I think is important for understanding not just this week's Parsha, but but all of Jewish law, <laughs> if I may be so bold, um, because I want to today talk about the categories of Jewish law, and it's a good week to talk about that. We are um, reading Parshat Mishpatim, which is one of the categories of Jewish law. Mishpatim, we will soon sort of speak this out, but Mishpatim are, are a, a certain kind of law. Jew, Jewish tradition names um, categories within its legal system. We have 613 laws, but some of them are Mishpatim, and we'll talk in a second about what that means. There are other categories that have different qualities. The famous other category is Chukim, and we're, we'll, we've done this actually together before, but we'll go over what the difference is between um, um, one kind of law and another, but then there's a third category that we often miss that I want to make sure that we take note of today. So, Without saying any more, let's just say a blessing. We'll get into it. And we will, I we're going to look at a part of Parshat Mishpatim, this week's reading, which we don't often look at, which um, which actually has a, a little bit of a, a, um, a clue for us to understanding how the Torah is organizing its legal system. Um, even early on, when we usually, usually when we talk about the, the legal system, we're talking about Deuteronomy. That's where the legal system really gets set up. And you think of Exodus as just having like just a bundle of laws. Like Moses is just, well, he went up to the mountain. He's got a bunch of laws for us. But um, I think we'll be able to see in this week's uh, Parsha in a 
certain section of this week's Parsha that there are these categories already are starting to emerge. Okay, so let's say a blessing, and then we're going to do a, a very brief uh, half an hour class. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kitshanu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Okay. Um, okay, so let's begin. Uh, this is a source sheet for you all. Let's see if this... Uh, let's see if this works. Yeah. Okay, this is a source sheet for you all. And I want to start... I, I actually think... I'm not sure what last year's uh, class on Mishpatim was. But I think what we, if my memory serves me, we looked at the word mishpatim. We spent a lot of time thinking about what, what mishpatim are. And we'll do that briefly again, just to introduce ourselves, um, because that's the first line of this. That's the name of this week's Parsha. And it's a very important category in Jewish law. So let's take a look at that. The Parsha starts this week. Um, this is the word. This is one of our three categories, mishpatim. These are the mishpatim. Now, let's translate it. So mishpatim can just mean laws, but it is a certain kind of law, um, and uh, we uh, sometimes refer to it as ordinances, um, or, and that's, I don't know if that hel that helps a lot, ordinances, why am I, am I spelling that? Uh, ordinances. Um, and sometimes we just use the word to mean justice. Mishpat is justice. Okay. And that gives you a hint. If this is a word for law, but it's also a word for justice, well, you have a sense of what these laws might be about, some kind of justice, but aren't all laws about justice? Aren't all laws about justice? And the quick answer, since we're having a quick class, the quick answer to that question is no. Not all laws in this system are about justice. Maybe not all laws in every, in every system. You know, is, is the law... Um, that you have to stop at a stop sign about justice. Maybe because you're, it's only right. And, you know, like maybe, but there are different categories in all legal systems. Um, you know, uh, is, the, is the law that we um, have a federal holiday on the 4th of July, is that about justice? You know, so even in our legal system, we can, we can d disentangle justice from law. But this word, mishpat, is sometimes used as a, as a word for justice itself. And so you can tell that these laws are going to be in pursuit of justice. Okay, well, what are these laws? What are, what kinds of laws do we see? And I'll just give you the first, a first few examples. Um, and the first one actually doesn't seem very just to us because the famously the first law is when you acquire a Hebrew slave, that person shall serve six years and then they shall go free in the seventh year without payment. Now, that doesn't seem just to us because we live in a world where, you know, we've sort of decided that slavery itself is unjust. But they lived in a world where they were breaking away from slavery and having six, a six-year limit was a big innovation principle in, in justice. Okay. That's, it's funny. The first law is always slavery and you always have to kind of apologize for that because what do you mean? Like we just, we were just liberated. So that can be a bit of a distraction. And if I ask you, oh, isn't that just that a slave only has to serve for six years? You might not, <laughs> that might not be such an easy answer. But let me give you some easier cases to look at that are much more, um, much more uh, emblematic of what the Mishpatim are all about. And these cases are just the classic cases of, of the Talmud. The Talmud spends a lot of time with cases like these. Pignov ish, shor ose, when a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it. He shall pay five oxen for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. 
If the thief is seized while tunneling and he's beaten to death, there's no blood guilt in his case. Meaning if someone breaks into your house and you hurt them, that's not your fault. If the sun is risen on him, there is blood guilt in that case. He must make restitution. If he lacks the means, he shall be sold for his theft. But if what he stole, whether ox or ass or sheep, is found alive in his possession, he shall pay double. Okay, it's like very, that's law for you. It's like the case, the circumstances, different alternatives, the punishment. So yes, justice, but also something a little more practical than what we usually call justice. And that's why I also use the word ordinances because mishpat is also about order, ordering things, keeping things regular and staple and orderly and making a society that works. So mishpatim are the just ordinances in pursuit of a just society, but also just in, in pursuit of a functional society. That's mishpatim. And those are the laws that Moshe gets a whole big bundle of and gives to us right here this week on the um, heels of the revelation at Mount Sinai. And we could just finish our class for today because now we know what happens this week. Okay, but um, mishpatim are a certain category of law. And we did this, I think, last year also. There's a very famous passage in the Talmud that distinguishes between mishpatim, one category of law, and Chukim, another category of law. And this is a famous distinction. Don't worry if you've heard it before, right? We're, we're moving towards looking for a third, but first we have to start with the, with the two that are the classic binary, Chukim and Mishpatim. And if Mishpatim are just ordinances, what are Chukim? Well, it's usually translated as decrees, decrees. And um, sometimes translated as rules, so what's the difference between a just ordinance and a rule? Well, here's the Talmud kind of um, uh, parsing it out for us. And this, this, this might be the most important passage in the Talmud. It's one of the most important um, moments in the Talmud because it's real legal theory. Okay, our rabbis taught that it says in Leviticus 18, my laws, mishpatai, mishpatim, my laws shall you perform. Such commit, what are mishpatim? No, they define them. Such commandments, which even if it had not been written, justice would demand that they should be written. And these are idolatry, sexual immorality, murder, theft, and blasphemy. Ten commandments kind of stuff. In other words, the, um, uh, the Talmud is telling us these laws, the mishpatim, this is, it's almost, it's almost heretical to say you don't even need a Torah for these laws. These are just they, every society needs thou shalt not kill. Every society needs some terms, maybe maybe not the exact amount, but some terms for what you do when damages occur. These are the kinds of things that, now they stuck idolatry in there. So you may have noted that, is that really? I think the assumption of the, of the rabbis of the Talmud is any reasonable society would eventually stop doing those things. So we can debate what's in the categories and not. We could say, now, wait a minute, idolatry, that's not a reasonable practicing not all religious sentiments have nothing to do with justice you might say that but as but the categories for our purposes are more important so don't pay attention to the exceptions as you see them but pay attention to the general flavor of the category and the general flavor is no murder no theft okay every society needs some kind like some kind of basic um set of regulation 10 commandments like regulations that that not only order the society, but allow it to be a good society, a just society. 
That's mishpatim. What are chukim? And when I say there are two major categories, and I keep saying, oh, these two, where do these two categories come from? Well, they are mentioned very frequently one after the other. Achukim vamishpatim. Achukim, if you do the chukim and the mishpatim, these two things, they're mentioned as a unit. And so the Talmud notes that, and uh, you saw that it was quoting Leviticus. Leviticus is another place where they're mentioned as a unit. So here's the verse. The verse is, my laws shall you perform and my decrees you shall keep. Okay, so there, that's, this is this, uh, this is the continuation of this. My laws shall you perform in my decree. So you can see the Torah is distinguishing between these two types. Okay, so what's chukim? Such commandments that the Satan challenges. <laughs> now this is, a, that's a, whoa, Satan. <laughs> How did he get in here? Um, now we did come up with Satan. It, it Satan starts in the book of Job. Um, but Satan is not the devil in our tradition. Satan is kind of like a an advocate, a, an angel that is advocating against humanity. In fact, Maimonides doesn't even like the appearance of Satan here. And he, when he records this law, he changes it to the nations of the world make fun of you for these laws. Okay, so that gives you a sense like, yeah, Satan. Okay, so if you feel that way too. But one way or another, either Satan, the, the angelic um, prosecutor, or Satan, or the nations of the world make fun of us for these laws. What kinds of laws are they? They are not eating pork. Okay, that's a that's an amazing first one. Such a massive Jewish practice. Kashrut, kashrut, keeping kosher. That's a, that's. A, but the Talmud is saying that this law, kashrut, there's no real reason for it. It's not something you would come up with on your own. But let's finish the thought. So why do you do it? Um. Not wearing wool and linen. That one to me feels like the ultimate, like so strange. What is that about? And of course we could speculate and we've done so in this. Well, wool is from sheep and linen is from plants and you don't mix animals and plants. Maybe there is a reason, but there, it's not obvious. The exemption procedure from the obligation to marry a widowed sister-in-law. Boy, that's like not obvious that you have to marry your uh, brother's widow if he if they were childless. That doesn't make any sense. The purification of the leper and the Yom, Ko Yom Kippur scapegoat sacrifice. All of these things are so weird. You like push a goat off of a cliff. You're marrying your sister-in-law. What's going on? So perhaps you will say these things are empty things. Perhaps you will say this is nothing. This means nothing. Therefore, the verse ends. And here, just for those who are following the text, there was a verse. My laws shall you perform. My decrees you shall keep. I am the eternal. That's the end of the verse, as if to say, I know that the second part, the hukim, are not so obvious, but I, the eternal, have decreed it, and you're not allowed to question it. Okay. Okay? So that's it. Those are the two categories. And we've, like I said, we've done this before, so, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time um, um, kind of going uh, back and forth between the categories and what they mean. And it is one of the most... Um, important and fascinating conversations in Jewish legal discourse, the idea that Jew Jewish law contains both laws that every society would have and then our own particular laws that are more about just some weird stuff that our God wants us to do. And why do we do it? God said so. And that's good enough. And you could have a long conversation about the meaning of the chok, of the decree, the most famous of the decrees, um, well, Kashrut's pretty famous, but the most famously named decree is the red heifer. You have to burn a 
perfectly pure red heifer in order to take its ashes to purify people who have had contact with the dead. It's like, what? Okay, but that's a chok. That's a chok. Okay. Okay, that's the setup. How much time do we have left? Okay, good. We have 15 minutes left. That's the setup. Now I just want to insert, uh, I want to I bring your attention to one other category of law. And I don't know if this is exhaustive. Are there only three categories of law? But there, there may be. The important point here is there are not only two categories of Jewish law. There are at least three categories of Jewish law. Anybody know what the third category is? Chukim, Mishpatim, and anyone? I, you know, it's not, I wouldn't be teaching it if I thought it was obvious. The last category is a dot, a dot. Okay, and we'll translate that as well. So let's just take a look at how that one appears. It does not appear until, as a named category, until Deuteronomy. But once you see it, you know, oh, yeah, that's right. There is a third category of other things. And I'm going to try to make that case for us. Uh, so let's take a look. In Deuteronomy, uh, where do I do it? What is this for here? Oh, oh, I see. I see what I did. I see what I did. Okay, I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to this. Okay, this is Deuteronomy. This is the Torah, the Torah that Moses set before uh the Israelites or Israel. Moses set before Israel. This is the Torah that Moses set before Israel. These are the Edot, the Chukim, and Mishpatim that Moses addressed to the people of Israel after they had left Egypt. Okay? So there's Deuteronomy at least saying, well, there are three categories, Edot, Chukim, and Mishpatim. Okay, we haven't, we haven't finished it yet. But just to give you a sense of just how big a category this is, that language also appears, this, this is a much more famous instance of it. When in time to come, your children ask you, um, uh, what, what, um, oh, this is so weird. This is, uh, the part of this verse is missing. Let me, let's go in and, and take a look here. When in time you come, your children ask you, what mean the decrees, laws, and rules that our God, Adonai, has enjoined upon you? What are all these things? Now, that's, an, that's a big question. Whose question is that? That's the question of the chacham, of the wise child on Passover, okay? So if you're really wise, and now you all are, you know that there are three categories of law. What are the edot, chukim, and mishpatim? What are these three categories of law? If you're wise, you're asking. So you can see their name, and, you know, that's part of the Haggadah. So it's like, they're like, and you shall say to your children, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the eternal freed us from Egypt with a mighty hand. So... We, we got all of these laws, apparently, as a response to our newly found freedom. But the only one that is named for us in this week's Parsha is Mishpatim. However, and here is the, the, the passage that I wanted to bring your attention to. Okay. Um, it's all Mishpatim. It's just Mishpat, mishpat after Mishpat, case after case that you saw the ox who gores the cow and the person who falls in the pit and the person who you're not allowed to, you know, steal their wages and you're not allowed to steal their, their bodies and you're not like all the things that you would think of in a legal code. Now, what about Hukim? Do we have to wait till Leviticus to get Hukim? And largely the answer is yes. In other words, it isn't until Leviticus that we start to get laws that are um, that are strange in that way, like the Yom Kippur goat sacrifice, where we've entered into a kind of a ritual world of the of the priests, 
where laws are not just about running a society, but have some sort of spiritual purpose. And we don't always know what it is. Okay. As it happens, the last law mentioned in Parshat Mishpatim is a chok, is one of the chukim. So this is already a clue. There's just like, I don't know how many, 50 mishpatim, one after another after, of these just ordinances. And then towards the very end, and I'm going to now uh, bring you back up to the, this is, this is, this is, ah, Exodus 23, the end of the legal code here. And I just want to give you a sense of, look, we're still talking about mishpatim. You shall not subvert the mishpat of the needy, keep fall, far from a false charge, do not bring death on those who are innocent, for I will not acquit the wrongdoer. Do not take bribes, for bribes blind the clear-sighted. Do not, and then as if it's concluding, I really feel like this is a great, another clue here that the mishpatim are over because they conclude with a general, and now you shall not oppress the stranger, for you know the feelings of a stranger, having yourselves been strangers in the land of Egypt, okay? Remember, the first law was you have to let a slave go free, and then the, the last sort of statement of the Mishpatim are, and you should know what it's like to be oppressed because you were oppressed. It's almost like giving a one last justification, uh, um, um, uh, underlying value for the Mishpatim. Okay, that I might have expected that to be the final law given, but that's not the final law given. The final law given, I'm gonna scroll down and then come back. Final law given here is way at the end, way at the end, way at the end, way at the end. It's in the middle of a verse. Uh, the verse starts, the choice first fruits of your soil you shall bring to the house of your God, the eternal. You shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. You shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Now, that's the beginning of not eating cheeseburgers. It will be mentioned three times in the Torah, but it's mentioned here. So it's like, oh, kashrut. It's just the first little sliver we don't have a full kashrut system, but the first kashrut is being introduced. How great. Now, this is going to be a major Jewish practice. But we know from the Talmud, kashrut is in the category of chukim. So that's interesting. What is it doing here? And what is it doing here? Just a snippet, half a verse at the end of all the laws. So you got like a catalog of 50. I keep saying 50. I don't know how many there are, but I know that the most mitzvot in any parsha is 74. And it's not this one. So I'm saying 50. 50 mishpatim. And then way at the end, one chok. Okay. Okay, well, that's interesting. That in itself is structurally interesting. We've This is mostly the Parsha of Mishpatim, but there's just a little hint to other kinds of laws that will eventually come. But you notice that I scrolled down, right? There was the end of the Mishpatim. And then there's one little, I keep using these Hebrew words. I hope we're all familiar with them now. The end of the just ordinances. And then one little chok, meaning one little decree that seems strange that maybe the Satan would make fun of us for. What's taking place in the middle? What's taking place in the middle? Well, uh, these, I want to claim, these, this category in the middle are the adot, the adot, okay? And let's just see what they are, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with like an explanation of what is this third category. But let's just like see them so that we can do some thinking on our own. What are Edo? Oh, and I guess I'll say one other thing before I, I say that. I could could start just, and we should start with, just by defining the word. What is an Eda? It is related to the word for aid, which means witness. 
So these laws are witnesses. That already is, that, that's a clue. So the mishpatim are just ordinances. The chukim are decrees. And the edot are witnesses to something. What are they witness to? So let's take a look. And this, uh, this is, now, like I said, the Parsha started in chapter 21 and has been going on now for two and a half chapters with Mishpatim. And then all of a sudden, um, here with a sort of what feels like an ending, all of a sudden there's a there's a new category of laws that I don't think that any society would come up with naturally. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but in the seventh you shall let it rest and lie fallow. Let the needy among your people eat of it, and what they leave, let the wild beasts eat. You shall do the same with your vineyards and your olives groves. Okay, now here's a big one. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease for your labor in order that your ox and your donkey may rest and your homeborn slave and the stranger may be refreshed. Be on guard concerning all I've told you. Make no mention of the names of other gods. They shall not be heard on your lips. Three times a year you shall hold a festival for me. You shall observe the feast of, of matzah, of unleavened bread, eating unleavened bread for seven days as I have commanded you. In the set time, in the month of spring, for in it you went forth from Egypt, and none of you shall appear before me empty-handed. And the feast of the harvest, of the first fruits of your work, of what you sow in the field, and the feast of ingathering, those are three festivals. At the end of the year, when you gather in the results of your work from the field, three times a year, all your males shall appeal before their sovereign, the eternal. You shall not offer the blood. Right. I, I think we've got, we'll read to the end. We shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened. The fat of my festal offering shall not be left lying until morning. The choice first fruits of your soil you shall bring to the house of your God, the eternal. And then we got that little hook at the end. You shall not boil a kid in its mother's mouth. Very strange, very strange organization here. But what I want to claim is that what Parshat Mishpatim has done is given us the Mishpatim. Started with the Mishpatim. That's the main chunk and the main section and the main topic. But there at the very end, almost as if introducing the three categories, it also gives us a chunk of edot and one little hook at the end, one little um, decree at the end. Now, the question is, for our last five minutes, what are edot? What is that category in the middle of laws that are, I don't think they're laws any society would construct, but they're not meaningless like, why are we celebrating Sukkot? We're celebrating Sukkot because we're thanking God for the produce that God has given us. And we have a festival thing. These are holidays. Why do we keep Shabbat? In memory of God's having created the world, right? Why does the land lie fallow? Because the land belongs to God. Like there, there are reasons for these things. They're not, the Satan wouldn't come along and say, I don't know what's going on, but they're, it's not justice. So what is this category? And let's see if we can, yeah, we have four minutes. Uh, any time, any uh, we have just enough time for any any anybody want to try to give some wording, some some um, some definition to the category of adote of this middle category. All right, let's uh, let's take Matt Silverstein. Uh, um, Jen said it in the comments. These are to create community. Good. Um Yeah, Jen. It's all Jen. I just didn't think she'd get her hand up fast enough. So <laughs> that's that's Great. all I have to say. Okay, great, 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 great. Okay, that's that's right. These are a dot are gathering times, convocations. That's certainly part of it. And yeah, so part of to create community, meaning we all come together on Shabbat. We all come together on the holidays. Shabbat and the holidays is a big part of what a dot are. Let's take one more thought on what these a dot are from Noah. I'd say the last day of 
ritual religious observances that we wouldn't think we need to do, but are there to remind us that we're a part of something bigger, the planet, the community, and the whole Jewish world? Great. That And that is the other, that's the other piece of it, is that the, the key word that Noah said is to remind us. And Ada is a witness. It's a witness to something. It's there to say, remember, you went free from the land of Egypt. Remember, God created the world. Remember that God owns the land. Remember that God reigns down on earth and that's where your produce comes from. The Adot are witnesses to something that is true, that is the, the reason that you are coming together as a community to celebrate that thing, to honor that thing, to give thanks for it. It is, in other words, the laws of the calendar, the laws of the holidays, the laws of the festivals. That's the That category of law is the category known as Adot, and Jen's exactly right, and Matt is exactly right, that those are the laws that actually bring us together as a community. And Noah's right, those are the laws that remind us of big principle, important things that are almost like the things that define us as a people. You know, our belief in God or our um, gratitude that we were that we were liberated from Exodus. The basically, in some ways, um, the religious celebra celebrations of our life, the festival celebrates the calendar. And the calendar is such a major category of Jewish life that actually it turns out a dot is not a small part of Jewish tradition. Okay. So you have Mishpatim, the legal codes of like the laws the Talmud really, you know, grinds through and thinking about how do we conduct a civil society, a criminal, criminal and civil law. We have the chukim, which are those laws which are just like very strange, but sometimes we just do things for God because God said so. Like we don't eat cheeseburgers. Okay, but God said so. We don't exactly know why. We'll never know exactly why. We can speculate, but we know why we keep Shabbat. We know why we keep Passover. They don't make sense. It's not about, oh, any reasonable person would eat matzah for a week after being liberated from Egypt. No, we know the reasons but they're not rational, they are communal, emotional, psychological, spiritual, re fundamentally religious laws. And in some ways, um, these are the laws that almost define this legal system in contrast to other legal systems, you know, like, like the American legal system, where even there you could find parallels. I said the 4th of July is a, is a federal holiday. So there's an example. But in a secular legal system, you less often have a law that mandates the commemoration, the recognition. There are those, you know, you salute a flag or something like that. But that that's, that category, that last category is huge in Jewish law. And Mishpatim, as you can see here, kind of, I'm just going to put it on the screen one more time before we close. Mishpatim is really signaling that by giving us tons and tons of Mishpatim. And we could ask the question, why do Mishpatim come first? And that's a good question as for, for our further speculation. But then all of a sudden there's a break and we get a few of the adot, as if to say, don't, don't think this is all Mishpatim. And then like just one little teaser of a chok, as if to give us all of those three categories that we will eventually um, have articulated by Moses. And just I'll just end by saying, look at the language here. These are the adot, chukim, and Mishpatim that Moses um, um, addressed uh, wait, wait, no, sorry. This is the Torah that Moses set before Israel, okay? And that was the same language that we started uh, with. These are the Mishpatim that you shall set before them. So there was there was this moment of Moses presenting all the people with the laws, and 
we could think if we just read this week's parsha, oh, that means the Mishpatim. But it turns out, at least as Moses remembers it, when Moses set the laws, maybe what he did was he gave a bunch of laws, but he all he didn't just dump them on us as it sometimes feels this week, but he actually started to begin to parse them out into categories. And those categories in, in, endured through into uh, Deuteronomy. And they can, I think, be very helpful for, for, for helping us think about what are the, the areas of life that are that our our system of, of mitzvot is concerned with. Okay, got to run to the airport. If you're in San Francisco tonight, come to my Beit Midrash at Congregation Beth Shalom. Wonderful to see you all. Sorry for the abbreviated class. I will see you all next week. Shabbat Shalom. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us, uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can if you click on Parsha study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week.